have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Welcome you this morning. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church, and we're so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. I hope everyone is doing well. You know, we're in week two of our series titled Overcomers. We started this series last week in Church in the Park, just talking about the challenges that we face in life. And for some of you, the challenges uh, may be directly related to all that we've gone through over the last six months. Uh, and maybe the challenges that you face in life and the obstacles that you face have nothing to do with the last six months. They've been uh, around and, and just following you around, it feels like, for many years, many months, maybe even decades, uh, as you faced challenges. And one of the verses that we're focusing on in this series is John 16, verse 33. And like Cameron said, if you have your phone and you've opened up the Bible app, you can go to the menu, go to live events, and click Element Church. Now, the scriptures that we're going to cover this morning are laid out there so you can follow along. The great thing about the Bible app is not only do you get to read it with us, um, even though it's on the screen, but you can highlight verses there, you can save it, you can make notes so that you can remember or review details later. And so I invite you to utilize all that the Bible app offers as we continue to worship together this morning. And so John 16, Jesus is trying to comfort his disciples. And he is saying these things literally just a few hours before he is about to be arrested betrayed, tried, convicted, beaten, and then crucified. And he says this to his disciples in John 16, 33. I have, told, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Or some of your versions, depending on what you're looking at, may say, in this world you will have trouble. So, so let me ask, does anyone have trouble in this life? That wasn't a rhetorical question. We'll try this again. Does anybody have trouble in this life? Yeah, um, I, I'll be honest, this has been one of the most challenging seasons, um, maybe of my life, but certainly in the 16 years that I've been a pastor, uh, I know what you're thinking, man, you look too young to have been a pastor for 16 years, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, I, I, in the 16 years that I've been a pastor, this has without a doubt been one of the most challenging seasons that I have ever walked through or had to walk a church uh, through, um, but you know, Trouble comes in all different shapes and sizes. And the reality is that this world just throws trouble at us sometimes, and sometimes for no good reason. Uh, I experienced a lot of trouble just this week. Um, my wife and I have been talking about buying a pop-up camper for years. We've dreamed about it, we've talked about it, we've never pulled the trigger, and we finally pulled the trigger uh, last week. Uh, we had been searching and on Craigslist and going through the whole deal. And um, since March, I've had two days off, and I was starting to really feel it and just worn out and worn down. And we just decided we're going to get away for a couple days uh, this week, just disconnect. We picked a location that we knew cell service wasn't there um, because we just wanted to be away. And so uh, we load up Wednesday morning, start heading out of town, and we get to. We're almost to uh, Silverthorne. Uh, we're going through the Eisenhower Tunnel, and I start hearing a noise. And I'm not sure what it is, but 
This is a new-to-us trailer, not new, but new-to-us trailer. First time we've ever pulled it, first time we've ever used it. And so I pull off when we get to the exit for Silverthorn. And sure enough, um, the wheel is destroyed. It has destroyed my lug bolts. So those are the bolts that your lug nuts go on. Um, And they are both completely non-functional, not safe to move another foot. So I pull off the spare, put the spare on, knowing that it's not a long-term solution because the lug lug bolts are destroyed. Um, I can barely even get the lug nuts back on just to hold this spare wheel on. But I know that there's an auto zone literally 100 yards down down the street because I've had to stop there before. Uh, Once on my way to an elk hunting trip, um, needed some auto parts. And so uh, I knew there was an auto zone, so I put on the spare just knowing it would get us 100 yards down the road park the trailer uh, into, um, into the parking lot, and we had several problems. One is uh, my lug bolts were destroyed. They had to be replaced before we could new- move another foot. The other problem is I have completely lost a wheel. But I have a spare wheel, right? The problem is the spare tile, tire has a huge bubble in the sidewall. The tire is no good. So we spend about four hours in the AutoZone parking lot, Thankfully, because it was a new-to-us trailer and I didn't know what could go wrong, I brought a lot of tools with me. So in the parking lot of AutoZone, thank goodness they had all the parts I needed in stock, and I was able to replace uh, all of the broken pieces. I was able to get the good tire that we still had, put on the one good wheel that we still had, um, and get that mounted. The problem is I don't have a spare anymore, but shouldn't be an issue because you don't use spares very often. So we get back on the road. We're now four hours behind, not the end of the world, okay? We get all the way to Glenwood Springs. We just passed Glenwood Springs. We are six miles from our exit before we head north for about 10 miles to our camping spot. And they, I'm literally, I mean, in front of us, we watch the police cars pull over in front of us to stop traffic. I-70 is shut down. A wildfire has just started on the other side of Glenwood Springs and they have shut down the entire interstate, forcing us off. We're six miles from our exit. So we pull off and we look at the map and we have two options. We wait in Glenwood until they reopen I-70, which could be days, or we take a detour. And instead of six miles to our exit, it's four and a half hours. And we have to go into a big circle through the mountains, all the way around to Grand Junction, get back on I-70, and then head east again. Knowing it could be days that I-70 is closed, we chose for the four-and-a-half-hour detour to go six miles. So we go four-and-a-half hours. We get all the way around to Grand Junction, start heading back up uh, east on I-70. We're about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from our exit to go to our campsite, and one of our trailer tires blows and we don't have a spare, and it's 6.30 p.m., and we're in the middle of nowhere. And so we pull over, and I tell Elaine, I'm like, you have to find someone who is open in Grand Junction, and you have to find us a tire now. I'm going to jack this trailer up. I'm going to unhook it because we're going to have to leave it on the side of the road. You have to find us a tire. So I wrote down the tire size. This is what we need. Find someone who's got it. She finds the only tire store in Grand Junction who is still open, and they said, well, we close in 20 minutes. Well, we're 30 miles out. And I was like, I don't care what you have to do. They have to stay open for us. Like, this is our only option. We have no other option. And so we convinced them. I was like, I, we will pay whatever they want. 
And so they were like, fine, we'll stay open. So we fly down to Grand Junction, get the tire changed uh, on the only good wheel that we still have. Well, I guess we have one that's still on the trailer. Drive back up to the trailer, load it up, and finally make it. What should have been a three and a half hour drive turned into 14 hours. Um, And it is a total miracle of God that we didn't tear each other's heads off throughout this whole ordeal. Um, But we made it. We finally made it. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes trouble in life is like a a result of our own, like it's consequences for our own actions, right? We've all been there. Uh, Sometimes uh, the trouble is the result of someone else's actions. And then sometimes uh, it just feels like this world is against us. And sometimes we recognize that we have a very real and present enemy that is against us. And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That word but can be so bitter and can be so sweet. Usually when your kids say it, it's pretty bitter. Like, I know I was supposed to clean my room, but... And then a million list of excuses that aren't impressive. But when God says it, it usually means he's about to contradict whatever the world is telling us. He's about to, he's about to push back on whatever the world is pushing against us. And he tells his disciples, despite all the trouble you're about to face, I want you to have peace. This world's going to throw a lot at you, but, but take heart. Now, Kids, I need your help with something this morning. So can you help me? Are you good? Because your parents don't do a very good job of like talking back and saying amen and things like that. So we're going to teach them to be a little vocal today. So kids, when I point at you, I want you to say, but God. Can you do it? Okay, you are, you're going to need some training too. Can you do that? Okay, so I'm going to count three, two, one, and then I'm going to point at you and you're going to say, but God. Okay? And you got to set the example for your parents. You ready? Okay. Three, two, one. All right, parents, I need you to teach your kids how to do this. Okay? So we'll try this again. I'm going to do three, two, one, and and I'm going to point at you. You're going to say, but God. Okay? Three, two, one. I want you to hold on to that because it's going to be really important today. Because as we go through this series, Overcomers, we're doing character sketches or character profiles of people throughout the scriptures who faced enormous obstacles, who faced all kinds of challenges, the kind of challenges in life that make the last six months for us look silly and petty. But despite their own weaknesses, despite their own failures, despite their own sin, despite all that the world are in, with today story from in the Old Testament. Now many of you are probably I think that's me. Okay. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with that story, but I don't want to make any assumptions. Because I know that sometimes these stories can bleed together, and especially if you don't have a lot of experience with the Bible, sometimes we encounter people with the same name who lived at very different time periods. And so Joseph, from the Old Testament, uh, lived many, many thousands of years ago, even 
even thousands of years or at least about 2,000 years before Jesus. Joseph uh, was the youngest son of many brothers, and he just so happened to be his father's favorite. His father favored Joseph more than any of his other sons, and his other sons knew it. They knew that their dad liked Joseph more than he liked them. Not that he didn't love them, he just played favorites with Joseph. And Joseph had a dream one time that turned out to be a dream from God in which his brothers all were going to serve him. Even though he was younger than them, they were going to serve him. Now, there's nothing wrong with his dream. What was wrong is what Joseph did with his dream, which is the next morning at breakfast, he told his brothers. He told his brothers, God told me, you're all going to bow down and serve me. Now, a regular brother would punch you in the arm, right? A mean brother would punch you in the nose. But these brothers took it to a whole nother level. Their jealousy grew to such the point that they even debated killing Joseph. But because that they didn't want to have to live with that guilt in their lives forever, they somehow decided it would be better to sell him to slave traders. And that's exactly what they did. They sold him to slave traders, their very own brother. Then they told their father that he had been killed. That in a tragic accident, Joseph had died. And what their father didn't know is that his favorite son was on his way to Egypt to be sold as a slave. And he was. He was sold as a slave And you can imagine what life would be like as a slave 4,000 years ago in a foreign country. But, but God. When it feels like the world is against you and even those who are supposed to be on your team, on your side, even when they feel, it feels like they're against you. But God. I want you to look at this with me. Genesis 39 verse 21 But the Lord was with Joseph. Five times the Bible says that. The Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in sight of the keeper of the prison. You say, wait a second, what do you mean about prison? I thought he was a slave. Well, things get worse for Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and things began to go well to the master that he served. But because of his integrity... Because he wasn't willing to follow along with the sinful temptations that someone else put before him, he was accused of terrible crimes that he didn't commit. And so his master had him thrown in prison. So now, not only is he an individual who's being treated like property, not a human, now he's in prison, even worse. But God. But when it feels like everything else is against you, but God. But the Lord was with Joseph. When it feels like in your life, all the dreams that you've dreamed, all the visions that God has given you for your future, when it seems like all of them have died, but God. But God. And what we see is we see God's faithfulness. We see that even as Joseph struggled with the reality of difficult circumstances, of trouble and tribulations. He was faithful to God, and God was faithful to him. And eventually, Joseph finds himself as the number two in Egypt, Pharaoh's right-hand man. Eventually, he's reunited with his family. He actually, because of God's favor, saves the entire nation of Egypt from a great famine. He's able to, with the extra food that Egypt had stored, able to feed his brothers and his father, 
despite the fact that his brothers betrayed him. And then tragedy strikes again because Joseph is about to lose his dad. In Genesis 48, we see this. Joseph's dad, whose original name was Jacob, but his name is later changed to Israel, says, Then Israel said to Joseph, this is after they've been reunited, Behold, I'm about to die. All right, kids, help me out. What does this say? Okay, we'll try that again. Behold, I'm about to die, but God. But God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. When it feels like the dreams that God has given us have gone to die, when it feels like everything in this world is against us, when we lose something that's so dear, or someone who's so dear, in the midst of all the trouble and frustration, but God. And Joseph's dad wants to encourage him, hey, I know it's tough. I'm about to, I'm about to leave you. But God. In the midst of it all, but God. Now after Joseph's father dies, Joseph returns back to Egypt and so do all his brothers. But now his brothers are scared. They're like, listen, now that our dad has died, what's to keep Joseph from punishing us? I mean, he's number two in Egypt. He's Pharaoh's right-hand man. What's to prevent Joseph from severely punishing us for the way we treated him, for the way we deserted him, for the way we betrayed him? Now that father's gone, what, is, what reason does Joseph have to be good to us? And here's what happens next in Genesis chapter 50. When, Joseph, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin. Because they did evil to you, and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God of your the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke with him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. Kids, are you ready? Okay, parents, you can join in too. He says, what, am I in the place of God? Am I your judge? He said, you meant evil against me. We're getting better. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. In all that Joseph had learned in his journey, he was now able to pass this truth and this wisdom on to his brothers. Listen, you meant evil against me, but God. But God trumps whatever you thought you could do to me. But God's purposes trump your purposes. But God's greater power trumps whatever this world or Satan has to throw at me. Despite whatever ill will you had towards me, despite whatever the world was going to do to me, but God. In the face of it all, but God. This is actually a popular theme throughout all of the scriptures. This idea that in the face of trouble, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of fear, in the face of doubt, but 
God. What I want to do in our closing time together, I want to read a handful of scriptures to you that speak more to this truth that despite whatever we have in our lives, with God we can overcome. But God is greater than any power, any force that we face in life. We'll start in Acts chapter 13, verses 29 and 30. And I'm just going to ask that when I get to that underlined part, I want you to read it out loud with me. You good? We can do this together? Good. This is a sermon about Jesus. Verse 29, And when they had carried out all that was written of him, that's Jesus, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, But God raised him from the dead. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. You got it. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Even Paul acknowledged to his uh, own church in the first century, listen, you don't have much to bring to the table. You don't have power, you don't have wealth, you don't have status, you don't have influence, but God. You don't bring anything to the table, but God brings everything. But God brings everything that you need. That despite your weaknesses, despite your failures, despite your shortcomings, but God, through it all, will shine bright. He'll shine so bright that no one will have room to boast. Because it'll be so obvious that it wasn't you. It wasn't your strength. It wasn't your intelligence. It wasn't your creativity. It wasn't your type A hard work personality. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It was God. So that no one will boast. Unless they're boasting in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 3, 5-7. through 7. You know, sometimes we get to a place in life where we feel like, I, I'm, I'm so out of control. It seems like nothing that I do ever works out. I I feel completely out of control. And here's what Paul has to say about this. In in one of his churches, there was this debate about who is the most important leader. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? Well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Paul. And this is what Paul says. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the growth. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Listen, we do our part, but in the end, we trust that the responsibility lies with God because he's the only one who can fulfill any of the promises, any of our hopes, our dreams, the dreams that God gives us, just like the dream he gave to Joseph, will only come true through him and his power and his strength and his purpose. We do our parts, but the weight is taken off our shoulders because God has taken the responsibility and the weight upon his. Two more. 1 Corinthians 10.13. This might be one that's more familiar to many of you. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to God, common to man, but God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Even in the face of not only trouble and tribulation, but temptation. When it seems too strong, like you just have to give in. The scriptures teach, no, 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 no. You may not have the power to overcome, but God, but God will provide a way. One more. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Let's go. But God. But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul just acknowledges we are broken, we are sinful, but God. But God being rich in mercy did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Here's the deal. When it comes with Christianity, it doesn't come with a promise that, that you get to avoid all struggle. It doesn't come with a promise that there will no longer be uh, struggle and suffering. It comes with a promise that in the midst of suffering, we find victory because of our God. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. There is no promise for a freedom from suffering. But there is a promise of victory in the midst of it because of God. When it feels like it's too much, when it feels like we can't overcome, the reality is you can't. When the enemy whispers in your ear, you're not good enough, you can just acknowledge, you're right, I'm not. When he whispers in your ear, you're not strong enough, you can say, you're right, I'm not but God. In the face of trial, in the face of tribulation, in the face of trouble, we cry out with victory, but God, 
who is rich in mercy will be faithful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together this morning. And God, I recognize and realize that um, for a lot of us, there's just a lot of trouble in this world. Some of it may be as a result of our own actions and the consequences that we face. Some of it may be because of someone else's actions. Some of it may be because we have a very real and present enemy in this world who wants to derail your plans for our lives. And then sometimes it just doesn't make sense and it just seems like the world's against us. But we don't hang our head in despair. We hang our head high because we keep our eyes on you. Because in the end, it's not about what we can do. It's not about our strength. It's not about our goodness, our righteousness, our faithfulness. It's about your goodness. It's about your strength. It's about your righteousness. It's about your faithfulness in the midst of it all. We cry in victory, but God, when the world feels like it's thrown everything it can at us, when it feels like there is no hope, when it feels like our dreams have gone to die, when it feels like we're about to lose who or what we love and cherish the most, we cry out but God and in you and because of you and you only we are overcomers Lord Jesus as we respond to you in prayer and in worship would you be honored by all that we say all that we think all that we pray and all that we sing in these moments Lord we love you we pray this in your name